You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to preview Thursday night football between Houston and Cincinnati with former Texans offensive lineman Chester Pitts and spotlight aches and pains around the league with Will Carroll, the injury analyst. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today as Ravens safety Tony Jefferson joins us. Tony, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? We are doing well, and you are doing well. Year one in Baltimore, you had plenty of options in the offseason as a free agent. Why were the Ravens the right choice for you? I read that you went to NFL Game Pass, broke down some tape to see how you might fit into that defense. Yeah, it was. I mean, nowadays, you know, with all the rules and stuff, you can't talk to other teams to do all that. So you got to kind of do your own research. And uh, that's what I did. Um, try to look at defenses and where, where I think I could fit best. And, uh, you know, I look at this scheme and I thought I fit pretty well. And, uh, you know, that was that was one of the main reasons coming here. When talking about fitting well on the team, you know the, the mindset of the Baltimore Ravens for many years, uh, leading back to the Ray Lewis era, the Tony Saragusa, Sam Adams, was all about the defense. The way you guys played this past weekend against Cincinnati, would you think that feeling and that passion is back when it comes down to playing aggressive, running after the football, you just heard you just had nine tackles, and actually finish a game with a shutout? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that mindset is kind of how we try to face every day, not just game day, but when we come out to practice, let's practice like, like the Ravens defense is, is known for. We want to be the hard-nosed, shut-down football team uh, defense that we are. And uh, week one, we went out and did that. We executed the game plan. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a while to study those guys, and uh, we went out there and we executed. But uh, it's a new week now, and we're, we're moving on to Cleveland. Tony Jefferson, the Ravens safety, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tony, let's talk about your journey to the league. You played college football in a marquee program in Oklahoma, but you went undrafted prior to joining Arizona. How much did that process, being an undrafted free agent, motivate you early in your career? Oh, it was tough. I left, I left as a true junior. Uh, I had another year left, and uh, you know I had a second-round grade coming out, so in my mind, I'm thinking success right out, right, out, right out the gate. But God had a different plan for me, and He wanted, I guess He He wanted me to uh, take the hard road and build build myself up as a man. And that's exactly what it did. I matured a lot faster, maybe than I would have if I would have gotten drafted. So all things they come together and they work together. Uh, it's all part of His plan. Uh, I, st- I kept my head down and and, and stayed focused on on the task at hand, and I was become. Um, a good football player, and I'm trying to become great. One thing I know for sure when it comes to being a defensive player, you guys have a tendency to to take your eyes and roam them to the offensive side of the football to see how good they're playing. Uh, Jeremy Macklin uh, played a solid game, had had an opportunity to catch a ball up the middle of the field for a touchdown, but end up losing Danny Woodhead. How big of a loss you think that is for you guys as offense, knowing that he's one of those types of backs that can play wide receiver, he can kick, carry the ball out of the backfield, but yet he's no longer with you guys because of his injury. Yeah, Danny's been dealing with that hamstring for a little while now, um, and it came back and, and bit him. But if, if you look at that drive, I mean, Danny was working him down the field. Danny can come out the backfield, be a receiver, like you said, slot and 
creates mismatches. And uh, obviously, we're going to miss Danny, but at the same time, we got guys that could that could step up and, and take his place with Joe getting back and getting back comfortable. Uh, you know, from his back situation, um, I think uh, they'll be fine. But first and foremost, I think um, in my mindset, the defense we got to do our thing. Uh, we can we, we we're trying to keep our our eyes and, and our head on, on the defense side of the ball. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Raven safety Tony Jefferson. Tony, I read that some of the guys in the locker room are now calling Terrell Suggs Benjamin Button because it seems like he's getting younger as he ages. What's it like to be a teammate of T. Sizzle? Oh, uh, Sizzle. That's my guy, man. He he motivates us, man, every day. Uh, every day he has something good to say, something that motivates us and, and, and keeps us our, our head on straight. Um, he, he's like you said. I, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's he's getting better each and every year. I mean, he had a tremendous game. Uh, helped us out a lot uh, in this past game against Cincinnati with the strip sack in the red zone, and uh, you know kept the points off the board. So it's always great to have leaders like that who've been on championship teams and been on dominant defenses. And um, you know, I was glad to, I'm glad uh, he's in our corner. Tony, I know you was with the Arizona Cardinals uh, for some time, and, and you had an opportunity this year to be with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, when you think about how things were there in Arizona as opposed to in Baltimore, what 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 did you bring with you to Baltimore? What did you take from Arizona and you brought to Baltimore to where you think uh, that you can add some value to help this defense out? That In the trenches, you know they were pretty tough. Uh, offensively trying to find a way to get it done. And, and I thought I saw that this past weekend. But what do you think you add to this defense that's uh, that's pretty tenacious when it comes down to running after the football? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a I'm – a, I think one of my main things is being a, being a good tackler and, and being in the run game, helping in the run game, you know, in this division. Especially when it gets cold, um, the, guys, the teams like to run. And, uh, you know, I think I could bring a, a different element from the safety position coming down in the box and, and, and stopping the run. Also, uh, in Arizona, we play strictly and, and, and pretty much all man. So um, when it comes to playing man on tight end and stuff like that, that's kind of my uh, my, my my main thing I do is, is, is play man. So uh, I think I bring that type of element to the defense and, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be, be great, man. I, whatever happens, happens, but, you know, like I said, with guys like T. Sizz and, and, and C.J. Mosley and Brandon and Eric Weddle, um, you know, I'm just trying to learn from those guys. And um, like I said, be great. Tony, on this show, we try to get to know players on a personal level. You alluded to your faith. So beyond faith, football, and family, what else drives you? What else are you passionate about? Do you have any hobbies? My guy Cordell was a car guy when he was playing. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm really into the sport of paintball. Um Back home, I'm from San Diego, so uh, we go to Camp Pendleton, and me and my boys, and we go paintballing. We really get into the the warlike situations um, with the paint grenades and stuff like that. Even though the military guys that that are on base when we do play, they do cheat because they freeze their paintballs, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like ten times more painful. But uh, yeah, I'm really into paintball, and I think it's it's good. I, I use your your team as you're doing football, so that's why that's what my my mom always tells me not to go because she doesn't want me to get hurt. But I say it's helping me uh, be a good teammate and communicate. I know you're in a different city, but 
Tell me, did you have any friends back in Arizona with the Cardinals that you were really cool with, like Patrick Peterson or Tyron Matthew? Oh, yeah. Do you do you still chat with those guys and somewhat compete to see who probably get the most tackles, the most sacks? Do you guys still compete on the level to see if you guys can go out and help each other perform pretty well? Yeah, I talked to those guys. I was just on FaceTime with a couple of them the other day. I talked to them all the time. Those, for me, uh, you know, when I'm in a place like that, guys become family to me. So those are my brothers. They'll be at my wedding. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's family right there. So I'm just, I talk to them all the time. I'm wish, I wish them all the best. Uh, and Tyron Tyre told me I need to get all pro. So if he's trying to get all pro too, then I guess it is a challenge because <laughs> we both got to get, get them all pro. So, uh, yeah, those, those are my guys over there, man. I miss them. They know it. Tony, as we wrap it up, you're getting set to take on the Browns on Sunday. As you've been breaking down the tape, what stands out about the rookie Deshaun Kaiser? He played well against a tough Steeler defense in his NFL regular season debut. Yeah, he did. He did play well. He played very well. Um, he's a rookie, but um, you don't, you can't overlook this guy. This guy's got an arm. He'll test you deep. You got to be on your toes. Um, and we're not taking this guy lightly. Um, he's he can run a little bit too. He he brings a different dimension to the offense because he could do the, the zone read. He can step back and, and and do and complete all the passes that you need. So um, we got to be on our toes. We got to play defense. We last week is last week. It's a new week, man. New team. It's another division game, and, and you guys know how things can turn out in division games. You never know. So you got to come out there. You got to be uh, on your head game, and that's what we're going to do. Tony, we appreciate the time and the insights. Best of luck on Sunday. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. No problem. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed with more taste with only 96 calories. It's Miller Lite, the original light beer. To be enjoyed from pregame to postgame, it's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, Grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now we're joined by our weekly injury expert, Will Carroll. Will, we appreciate you taking the time. So if you can, take us through the wrist injury suffered by David Johnson. How long could he be out and what's the rehab going to be like? Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate uh, giving me the time and the chance to do this with you all season long. Uh, for David Johnson, it's an unfortunate injury. He's shown every bit of talent. They've built this offense around him largely, and now he's going to be out for a minimum of eight weeks, more likely to be 12. Uh, the wrist is a really difficult thing to repair. There's a lot of structures. It's like little puzzle pieces of bone, ligament, tendon, nerves, cartilage, and if you don't get everything back in place, you lose functional grip strength. You lose some of the ability to have that fine muscle control. You see it in baseball time and time again. Guys just can't make those adjustments, and that slider gets away from them. For Johnson, it's very simple. If he can't hold the ball, he can't play football. Uh, Cordell, you know just how much those defensive backs are going to be punching and slapping and testing and pulling to see how strong he is when he gets back. Uh, until he's 100%, he's just not going to be able to do that. That can take a while. And even once he's back, there, there's often setbacks with this. 
Uh, it won't be difficult to protect uh, the area. You can put a, a pad over it. There's lots of things you can do. But until he's functional, until he's 100%, until he can hold on to the ball, they just can't play him. Wow. I mean, that's a long time because he's, he's pretty much uh, over 20 to 30 percent of their offense playing wide receiver running back. But let's go to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, um, we saw what happened with Scott Tolzien last weekend against the L.A. Rams, and he probably could have been on this injury report uh, list as well, considering how they didn't protect him. Give us your take on Andrew Luck. Um, how, when, is, when is he going to come back and, and what's the issues on his shoulder? Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if Tolzien should be on the injury report. I don't think being bad is an injury. Uh, but uh, for it was Luck, that bad, though, Will. Fact, yeah, uh, the, the simple fact with Luck is we don't know anything. We know he was injured. We know how it happened. We know when he had surgery. And then the blanket drops, and we're in complete darkness. There is nothing I've ever seen like this in the NFL where nothing, you know, we don't know who the surgeon is. I have a really good idea. Uh, we don't know what the exact procedure was, but we have a really good idea. But from the rehab, people, I live in Indianapolis. Uh, so talking to people in the media, we don't know anything. Talking to people with the team, they don't know anything. Uh, Chuck Pagano, I believe him when he says he doesn't know. Uh, he probably hasn't seen Andrew throw. There are probably a handful of people inside the Colts complex that know exactly what's going on. It's probably Jim Irsay. It's probably Chris Ballard. It's probably their team doctor and probably not many more. I've talked to players on that team, guys who you would think would know, who have known and played with Andrew for a long time, and they, they don't know anything. So this is just, A, it's weird. But for a labrum injury like this, normally guys come back pretty well. Uh, Cam Newton had labrum involvement in his surgery, had a little cuff tear as well. He's looked pretty good. Uh, Jake Cutler, and this is the interesting one. Jake Cutler had his surgery, almost the same injury, one month almost to the day ahead. And he was supposed to be preparing for a broadcasting career. Uh, I don't know how he came back from the surgery and then did the throwing program so that he would be ready to step in for the Dolphins the day they signed him. But he did, and he's looked pretty good. We haven't seen him in a game yet because of the hurricane. Uh, but uh, from practice and preseason, he's looked like his arm was like it was the year before. So why is Andrew Luck still not even throwing a football where someone can see it? We just don't know. So it could be tomorrow. It could, well, it couldn't be tomorrow. It could be Sunday. And he could walk out of that tunnel and rip his jersey off Hulk Hogan style and come out and lead the Colts <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Uh, or we might never see him again. And we don't know. It's somewhere in between, which leads to the extremes. Uh, Colts fans are on the, the edge of their, their seat. I'm talking them off of ledges. Uh, but that said, he, he very literally could come back this week. And we don't know. Uh, to me, it's a little bit disrespectful of the fans. Uh, people who have a heart and soul uh, and money in those tickets and those jerseys and all the things they've done. You know, just look on Twitter. How many you know, for any team, but for the you know the Colts, how many people have Colts or Horseshoe or Blue in their name? The same way that the Steelers fans do and the, the, the both Rams fans do. Uh, it's one of those things where you're really disrespecting your fans by not giving the information. By contrast. Look at what the Chiefs did this week with Eric Berry. They let their athletic trainer come out, uh, talk about his history, what happened, uh, how they had treated him previously, 
uh, what they're going to do and when they think he's going to be back. They were absolutely transparent. Are they at a disadvantage? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, certainly they're at a disadvantage because they don't have the great safety they had. Uh, but by telling the information, they, which they do regularly, uh, I think they're at an advantage. They're telling their fans information, and the fans go, oh, okay, I kind of understand it now. I, I don't like that Eric Berry's gone, but I understand it. For the Colts and several other teams that don't give any information or play with the injury report, I, I just find it disrespectful. Transparency should be the goal, especially in the age of information. We're chatting with injury expert Will Carroll. He's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. So if I could follow up on Eric Berry, tough to see him go down with that Achilles injury based on everything he's already overcome, beating cancer. What's the prognosis moving forward, and what do you do with that kind of issue? It's unfortunate. It's just bad timing. You you never want to have an Achilles injury, but an Achilles rupture – We've gotten better and better with these. I mean, this is a tough injury because, you know, his Achilles tendon, which we all know where it is back there on our heel, that, that cord that holds the calf and the foot together snapped, and they're going to stitch it back together. I can't even, you know, if I get a hole in my socks, i got to go get new socks because I can't stitch it back together. But Neil Elitrosh, one of the great surgeons out there in L.A., uh, did it with Kobe Bryant. Uh, here he might be involved with Eric Berry. Uh, so they're going to stitch it back together. And it's going to be just as strong. And in about six months, he's got the chance to be back out there. Now, you've got to look at the calendar. Six months from now, there's no football. So we're not going to see him until training camp of next year. We'll probably see him running uh, during, during OTAs. But guys come back from this better and better. You'll see people say that they slip a little bit. But you have to take into account the calendar doesn't stop. He's going to get older, and age is a big factor when it comes to skill in the NFL. So I think Eric Berry has every chance to come back. Will he be quite as good? No, but 99% of Eric Berry is pretty darn good. How about the guy out in New York uh, with the Giants? Uh, He's every bit of everything Eli Manning needs and wants, and I think it showed in the last game against the Cowboys. Odell Beckham uh, looked like it was just, and what you heard, just a sprained ankle, but now you hear things like, uh, six to eight weeks, and he said, you know, it depends on who the person is, and his body could be four to 12 yeah. weeks. Give me what you know about Odell Beckham's ankle. Well, let's, let's note first that it's not actually an ankle sprain. It's a okay. high ankle sprain, which okay. is not the joint we normally think of with the ankle. It's just above it, and high ankle isn't really a thing. It's just nobody wants to say syndesmosis, which is the actual name of the joint. It's the joint that's in between your tibia and your fibula, the two bones of the lower leg. It's very tight. It doesn't move very much, but it does move when somebody hits you and your foot is planted. Now, if his foot had been a little stronger, uh, if if he had landed a quarter second earlier, he'd have snapped his leg. He would have broken his fibula. There's almost no question about that. I don't think it was a dirty hit, uh, but it was one of those unfortunate hits. Now, with any wide receiver, I think calling them all wide receivers, you know, if you you look at a team like Arizona playing tonight, they've got John Brown, uh, they've got Larry Fitzgerald. They don't do the same thing. And, you know, they've got big receivers like Fitzgerald. You've got speed guys uh, like Brown. With Odell Beckham, he's big, yes. He's fast, yes. But he's really more athletic. He's a gifted athlete that happens to play wide receiver. He, he's not going to push somebody away. He's not going to run by many people. It's his athleticism and those crazy gifts and those hands that really make him something special. So with a high ankle sprain, if he doesn't have the kind of lateral motion, if he can't push and adjust and not have to think about it, 
he's not going to be as good. Now, there's a lot of players who 90% of their, their ability, they can get out there and do it. You know, Des Bryant can hobble around with his broken foot a couple of years ago, and it's his size that makes him special, uh, especially in the red zone. For, for a guy like Beckham, if his athleticism is compromised, he's not going to be effective. So this is going to take a minimum of about four weeks. You're going to hear maybe he's back, maybe he's back, because it's going to be very close getting from that 90% mark up to that 100% mark. So he's going to look closer than he actually is. And to amplify that, I'm looking at video right now of Odell Beckham Jr. back on the practice field, and he looks phenomenal, much like apparently he looked when he was dancing with Russell Westbrook, according to reports. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, breaking it down with Will Carroll, the injury analyst. Will, last one for me, unfortunately. Kevin White of the Bears hurt again. This time it's the collarbone injury. In a general sense, what leads to some players being more injury prone? Is it just bad fortune, body structure? What's going on? Yeah, there's a number of things that really factor into this, and someday we may have a better answer. You know, there might be genetics involved. Some people have stronger bones or stronger ligaments or weaker. Uh, Some people just don't hold up to the workload. Uh, We're not measuring that on most of these players. Now, some do. We've we've got some GPS tracking uh, on players, and we're learning more from that about the workload management. It's at a a very nascent stage. For White, you know, he's had a number of different injuries. Can he just not handle what happens in the NFL? doesn't look like it. The evidence suggests that, and it's unfortunate because he's obviously got the tools to play. Uh, you can't say that you know falling on your shoulder and, and snapping that joint there uh, is, is anything more than bad luck, but there's certainly the suggestion that this is a pattern, that maybe he just can't hold up, uh, and it's going to be a question for the Bears because you, know, you can't wait on this guy forever. You, you're going to have to replace him. You're going to have to get that roster spot and that money back. Uh, it, it's just very, very difficult to see these guys go through this because there's no one single explanation for it, uh, but the injuries have been devastating. Uh, Let's talk about Sam Bradford. Uh, Nothing we saw in the game that indicated that he had any issues from an injury standpoint, but hearing that uh, he was limited to practice because of his knee, uh, what do you know about that with uh, Sam Bradford? Yeah, he obviously has uh, an extended uh, history with his knees. Uh, He's had the ACLs a couple times, uh, and Usually when you tear an ACL, there's associated damage. Uh, You always worry about the soft tissue damage, the meniscus in there, uh, the bone cartilage, the articular cartilage. uh, Some of the the smaller ligaments are usually going to get uh, damaged. And he's had some swelling. They're going to have to maintain that. And they've been doing this for years. Uh, Certainly had some success last year. It's kind of like being, you know, I'm an old guy. Uh, If I go out and work out, I'm going to be sore the next day. There's going to be stiffness. There's going to be swelling. Same thing for these guys. They've got very old knees, and and, uh, there's a lot of things that Sam Bradford's knees uh, have gone through. There's a lot of mileage on it. So you're going to see this kind of swelling and pain. They've got to maintain it. They've got to get him on a program where they can get him from one week to the next. It's difficult sometimes. You'll see guys uh, need a clean out the second the season is over. But those athletic trainers, and it's a great uh, system up there in Minnesota. You saw what they did with Teddy Bridgewater. He's closing in on a return, which is pretty amazing. Uh, it could have been the end of his life, uh, maybe the end of his leg. And now, you know, less than two years later, we're talking about him being back on a football field. Uh, but he's not ready to get back there yet. So they need to keep Sam Bradford healthy at least that long. Will, tremendous information. Great debut. We appreciate the time and look forward to chatting with you next week again here on the NFL on TuneIn.
Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed with more taste with only 96 calories. It's Miller Lite, the original light beer. To be enjoyed from pregame to postgame, it's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste Miller Lite this is NFL No Huddle the podcast here are your hosts Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart we continue on NFL No Huddle the podcast now it's time to let you know what we are more than sure is going to happen on Thursday night football between the Bengals and the Texans it takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Well, let's start with the headline. Deshaun Watson can lean on his college championship experience. In fact, he played very well in defeat the year before when Clemson matched up against mighty Alabama on the biggest stage in the land. Taking on a Cincinnati defense that got pushed around by Terrence West on the ground. That allowed Joe Flacco to look good coming back from the back injury. Cordell, how do you see that matchup? Deshaun Watson in the starting debut against the Cincinnati defense. Reminder, no Vontez Perfect. Still out with a suspension. I tell you what, I'm, I'm buying into this Deshaun Watson start. Uh, I think he brings a little bit more to the table when it comes to his versatility. Uh, after watching that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and seeing players like the Calais Campbell getting upfield, establishing three and a half sacks in the first half. Uh, I think it doesn't turn out that way in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They, as you mentioned, Vontaze Perfect. Uh, it's not in that game. He's still suspended. Uh, and I think what they do is, is they establish the line of scrimmage, get Lamar Miller a little bit more involved. I would say move the pocket. I know some may say he shouldn't play at all this year, but if you're trying to do something, you know, you set the game plan up around the young kid. You give him a chance to go out and play. I see him having a very good game, one that fits his skill set, not one that's all about just dropping back, throwing the football. I don't think he'll ever be like an RG3 uh, because the system in which he ran wasn't built that way. It wasn't just go routes and scramble. It was actually throwing some timing routes, in cuts, off of play action pass, things of that nature. So it's going to be up to Bill O'Brien to put him in position to have some success. So once he got in the game, when we saw them play in this Jacksonville game last time, we saw him have confidence in things started happening as time progressed but then he also looked like a rookie at times so uh, the way the game is played today I think it gives him an opportunity to go out and have some success against a team right now that's not having any confidence at all the quarterback and Andy Dalton is struggling tremendously four interceptions one turnover with a fumble a total of five turnovers this team is struggling I think this team comes out and, and rebound off the Cincinnati Bengals and I see Deshaun Watson playing very well Don't overlook the fact that in addition to Brian Cushing now being suspended 10 games for the PED violation, Cordell, their top three tight ends, talking about the Texans, all in the concussion protocol. So we'll see if that's one more layer that the rookie has to navigate through tonight. In our remaining minute, let's make it official. I'll go first. Houston wins on the road. Low-scoring game. Houston 21, Cincinnati 14. Back to you. 
Yeah, I give I give them the opportunity to win this football game. Um, I see it being something like 17, 17, 13, something to that extent. Uh, but I'd see this Houston Texans team um, with Jadavion Clowney, J.J. Watt, let's assume he is going to play um, and go out and play hard and be a part of this. But uh, I see this team rebounding. DeAndre Hopkins, I see him getting in the mix, uh, playing the ball, uh, uh, playing uh, to catch the ball uh, down the football field for more of a play-action pass than actually straight drop back. So I'm looking forward to seeing this Houston Texan team rebounding and seeing the Cincinnati Bengals drop to 0-2 in the first couple games of this 2017 season. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed with more taste with only 96 calories. It's Miller Lite, the original light beer. To be enjoyed from pregame to postgame, it's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, Grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's visit with Jonathan Coachman, better known as the coach, about his Kansas City Chiefs and his time with the WWE. Coach, how are you? Great to see you. Yeah, I'm great. I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. By the way, little known fact, B, Cordell, great to see you, brother. Yes, sir, uh, you too. Mitch Holtis, who just made that call in Kansas City, helped me get my first job in Wichita, Kansas, years and years ago. Why do you think we played that highlight, John? Well, I knew, <laughs> Welcome I knew to you the NFL research, on Tuesday. You did your homework. I am a broadcasting <laughs> savant. Theoretically, I know everything about everything. So um, I recall that you got your start in Kansas City. Yeah. Did you have any sense the Chiefs would play that well last week on the road in New England? No, I didn't talk any trash either because I, 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 I knew that that was a – a game that when it came out on the schedule, it was almost like they were going to be the sacrificial lamb. And then as I watched the first half, I don't know how you guys felt, but we just could not get anything going. And I said, at some point, the Patriots are going to score that next touchdown, go up 10-14, and then it's, it's going to end up being a 21-28 point game. When they started making the plays and Alex Smith started hitting the running backs, and uh, let's be honest, Tom Brady was off. And his receivers were off, and losing Edelman was a big, big deal. Uh, so I think not only does it do a huge uh, boost to their confidence moving forward, but if I'm a Patriots fan uh, and I still live in Patriots country, I am very, very concerned about what I saw. Speaking with Jonathan Coachman, not too many people know you as coach, but I wanted to make sure I introduce you as your full name, but Thank understand you. why I call you coach, because that's where I know you from, from working with you in the past. But Amen. When looking at this, when looking at the New England Patriots, uh, how concerned are you to see how much they've struggled? They've lost one of their better receivers in the slot uh, to having a few players not playing up to their capabilities. But most importantly, watching Tom Brady basically not play the best game that we've been accustomed to watching and playing, if not his best game, at least finishing strong. Do you attribute that more to New England and their struggles, and do they continue those struggles? Or is Kansas City really that good with Alex Smith being able to spread the ball around, which was a conversation many of us have had, was he able to do? Two things, I think, Cordell, first of all. First things first is uh, when you have all that pregame hype and you've got 28-3 up on the scoreboard, and you got all the guys coming out with the uh, the championship trophies. I think sometimes it's very easy 
uh, to say it's going to be a walk in the park. This is who we are. We're going to go after a sixth trophy. And I think uh, a lot of that was going on that night. It was just a, a matter of waiting uh, for things to happen. The second thing is you remember a couple of years ago when the Chiefs just clocked the Patriots early on in the season, and we all said the Patriots are left for dead. Uh, you know, Tom Brady is washed up. All those things. I I would be concerned, but I think the Chiefs are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. When you have your entire defense back, and boy, it's going to hurt to have Eric Berry not play the rest of the season, certainly, but you've got great linebackers, um, you've got arguably uh, the second best tight end on the offensive side, and make no mistake about it, the fact that they got Mahomes in the draft is going to put a, a fire under the butt of Alex Smith like we've never seen before, in my opinion. And he's going to play as good, if not better, than he's ever played before. So I think the Chiefs are very, very good. And I think the Patriots have got to figure out a way to get the ball downfield, get the ball to the receivers, and be way more accurate than Tom Brady was in week one. Jonathan Coachman is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Jonathan, when I was a kid and wanted to go into broadcasting, the two biggest influences on me, Bob Costas and me, Gene Okerlund. <laughs> Huge wrestling fan. we got to talk a little bit squared circle action. Sure, sure. What did you take away from your years connected to the WWE? Well, I, t- I tell you what, it, it was it was such a, a fun uh, almost decade that I got to spend there. I got to travel the world. When you're in your your early 20s, uh, there's nothing better than somebody else uh, buying a ticket for you to fly to Tokyo or Germany or England or wherever the case might be. But also from a broadcasting uh, standpoint, uh, it, it taught me a lot about uh, being on the fly, uh, listening, all the things that a lot of young broadcasters don't think is important, uh, you start to learn when you're working for Vince. Because if you don't listen, respond, react, uh, and engage, uh, then you're not going to be around for very, very long. I- I'm very proud, Brian Cordell, of the fact that I was able to last so long. And on top of that, I still have an amazing relationship to this day, and it's just amplified by the fact that the last couple of years, we were able to create a, a website coverage, and we got uh, the WWE onto SportsCenter, which is something that had never happened before. And I saw Vince at WrestleMania this year, and he pulled me aside, uh, and he said, Coach, this is the, the single greatest relationship that we've ever forged uh, in our time. Wow. And, and I think it's a big reason why uh, they're having the best financial year they've ever had. Can you do that, though, as Mr. McMahon? Coach, I mean, can, can you give me a little Vince here? <laughs> well, he, he would go. Well, I have a very funny story uh, that's in the book. Uh, you know, I always called him boss, and he'd be like, he'd be like, <laughs> Coach. You know, and, and years ago we were in Afghanistan, and he was looking for a Red Bull, and we couldn't find one. And so I found one from a private, and I ran it to him about 40 yards. And as he's getting ready to go out and start the show, you know, it's very, very cold. It's in the desert. A lot of troops around. He opens the Red Bull, and it completely explodes. <laughs> so he's got a $5,000 suit on, and he's dripping Red Bull. And he looked at me, and he said, you are so effing stupid. <laughs> and you got these guys that are holding flags, getting ready to do the national anthem that could not contain themselves. And there were probably you know a dozen stories like that because I was around him so much. And – I'm a big believer in great leadership, and whether you like him or whether you don't be, that man is a great leader oh, he's of the P.T. Men. Barnum of this millennium, and he's a skilled businessman. How about the XFL? You were a sideline <laughs> reporter. How long did it take you to realize 
this thing was going to be a mess. It was the longest 10 weeks of my life. And I was just a part of that 30 for 30 that we had, uh, whatever it was, six months ago. And I had the luxury of sitting in the in the initial meetings uh, with uh, Vince and with Dick Ebersol. And, boy, I tell you what, they had high, high hopes for it. I've never seen somebody lose 40-some million dollars. And then it's true. He was like, listen, we've got to cut our losses. And it's very, very difficult uh, for a major, major personality to admit when they've done something that didn't work. Uh, but being a part of it, and there are at least 10, 15 things today, guys, that the NFL uses, and we documented that in the 30 for 30, uh, that were initiated in the XFL. So uh, I worked seven days a week for about three months. So by the time it was over, I was ready for it to be over because I still had to do my full WWE schedule as well. Speaking of the WWE, I remember when we were working together. Um, you had an opportunity to see Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the relationship between you two, and how happy are you for this guy that he's done a multiple. He's done multiple movies. Uh, he's a part of the show Ballers. Uh, have you stayed in touch with him? And uh, tell me about you guys' yeah. relationship so far up until this point. We still stay in touch, and 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 you know, early on, it was kind of the the Rock and Coach show for the first couple of years, and I'll never forget. Uh, the very first time I was ever on TV, guys, with WWE, you know, I'm a young 22-year-old kid coming from Kansas City. Nobody knew who I was. And they said, tonight, your first night, you're going to be on with The Rock. And to this day, I remember this, and I've brought it up to him several different times. And this speaks to the kind of person that he is. And it's why everybody loves him. It's why he's so great at what he does. Is He said, you know what? I got an idea. Uh, tonight, you know, he used to do this thing where he would ask you a question, you'd answer, and you go, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever that was, right? So mm-hmm. so he said, ask a question as if you know me, and then I'm going to stop you. And so I say, hey, Rock, he goes, who are you? You know, a couple of expletives. And I wouldn't answer him because, I, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be stupid. I didn't want to play stupid. He goes, I don't want people to think that you're dumb. And, and he goes, it's okay, you can tell the Rock. And I said, well, you know, my name's Jonathan Coachman, but everybody calls me the coach. And then he goes into the coach of what? The coach of a little girl's <laughs> softball team, the coach of this, the coach of that. And then after he said the coach about eight or ten times, he goes, so why do they call you the coach? And I go, well, it's a f- it doesn't matter why they call you the coach. <laughs> and because of doing it that way, I walked out of the building that night in Chicago, the Allstate Arena, and everybody is yelling my name after one night and one two-and-a-half-minute promo. And the point of the story is he's a very, very giving guy, and he wants to see people uh, succeed. He wants them to do well. And if you see his videos on Instagram or, or Twitter, uh, he's always driving out at 1 a.m. off a movie set, and he'll stop and take pictures and sign autographs because he understands that's what you do. And, uh, you know, we don't see each other that often, uh, but we text sometimes and uh, could not be happier for him. And, and nobody works harder in the business than that guy does. Jonathan, we appreciate the visit. Next time I want to talk about Jesse, the body, Ventura, and more football. Let's do this again on the NFL on Tuesday. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed with more taste with only 96 calories. It's Miller Lite, the original light beer. To be enjoyed from pregame to postgame, it's been a part of 
of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's close out the podcast by welcoming in Chester Pitts, the former Texans offensive lineman, part of the NFL Legends community. Chester, thanks for taking the time. Let me take you back to Sunday. Even though we were sacked a half dozen times in the first half by the Jags, do you think Tom Savage was benched too quickly by Bill O'Brien? We've seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go in Houston. So here's the deal. It's not fair to say that he was benched too early or not. It was based on the flow of the game and what was going on in the game and the lack of protection that he had in the game. You needed to have someone back there that their skill set was more conducive to the play of the offensive line at that moment in time. If that pocket, if the pocket and the protection would have been clean, I don't think that the change would have been made because I think Savage would have been in a position to play better. When saying that, um, when being out in, in West Virginia at the Greenbrier uh, Resort and watching the practices and talking to some of the beat writers uh, there out of Houston, the conversation sounded more like the reason why Tom Savage was getting the opportunity to start was because, let's just say, he deserved it. And they were really that close for is actually trying to go with Deshaun Watson, but saying, you know what, there's no sense of urgency to go with him at this point in time. Uh, just because we have a veteran that's been around, he's been around the game for some time. Give me your take. Should he have started Tom Savage or should he have tarted, started Excuse me, Deshaun Watson in week one of the season because he brings more to the table than Tom Savage just being a pocket quarterback? And, and, that, and that's a very true and very fair statement. Uh, but I'm going to come at you from a different direction. I personally do not want and still don't want Deshaun Watson – to take one snap this entire season. I made my point very clear from the beginning that I really love him as a football player, but I want him to learn the game. I want him to get in, is involved from a mindset and mind standpoint with this system as he absolutely can. I want him to be able to go out onto the field and only have to rely on his athleticism and his athletic ability when he has to, not as a default when it just doesn't feel right or I just don't know what's going on or, oh, I don't know what to do in this particular situation. I'm just going to tuck it and run because that's what I know that I can do. That's great in year one, two, and three, but then those collisions start to add up and I don't want him to turn into RG3 come his fourth or fifth season of the league. Chester, as a former offensive lineman with strong opinions, what's your view of Dwayne Brown's holdout now moving into a second game missed? Clearly, Houston missed their best offensive lineman on Sunday. Well, this is the thing. Life is a business. And in order for a business transaction to happen, you need one person wanting to sell and one person wanting to buy, and you ultimately have to come up with a price that both are willing to sell their services for that amount and pay their services for that amount. They're not there right now. I know that fans take the position, and you hear it said all the time, well, if you sign a contract, you should honor a contract. 
Well, yes, I would say that that does make sense if the blade cut both directions. But as long as it's a fair and legal way to end a contract because you no longer feel that that player is worth that value of money, I believe a player is also willing to say that I am worth this amount of money. If you're willing to pay me this amount of money, I'm willing to play for it. So that's what my, you know, that's my legitimate take on it. I, um, I'm very good friends with Dwayne, and I 100% support him because if he believes that he is worth a certain amount of money and he should be compensated that amount, then I'm with him and I'm going to support him just because he's my friend, he's my teammate, and he was my rookie. Uh, that's just the way it is from my standpoint. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.